entertainment purposes only. You'd be an idiot to listen to anything these degenerates say. Invest at your own risk, do research, but seriously don't listen to these ass clowns. Now enjoy Cash Daddies. Sam the Freak. Sam the Freak. Um... Yeah, I mean it was a it was a good week. Last week we uh we absolutely crushed it with uh made money buying puts on a great stock, Caterpillar. For you new people listening, a puts where we actually hope the stock goes down. We hope it drops. And it did. It dropped. We banked 40, 50, some guys banked a little higher percent. Um and we got a light week list this week, a lot of really light volume. The VIX is really headed down, so Daddy's got a bunch of cash, just holding some cash. A lot of we call that dry powder in the Patreon. I and, like uh, that dry powder. I like and, it. The readers, the readers all have dry powder, and we're just sitting back. We're sitting back. We're sitting back. You know, and I think we're gonna get a nice little sell off here soon. So I'm excited. I'm excited, dude. I really like dry powder. I think that's exciting. Dry powder is the key. You gotta have it. You gotta have it. All right. Uh, we got the guest here. If you guys want to go to yeah, that, yeah, bring in Tim. Bring Tim in. Okay, guys, we're going to the guest. I'm very excited. Let's do it. Tim Picot. What? There Tim, how are you? Tim. Hey guys, how's it going? Hi, Tim. How do you pronounce your last name? Last name again, Tim. Pichot. Pachote, yeah. There we go. Close. Tim Pachote. Very excited. Very What's going excited. on, Tim? I read about you, man. I see you uh I read about your uh investment group. You used to work for LPL? Yeah, and they uh, wouldn't allow me to. So back in 2017, I was trying to get people to sell crypto into certain types of trusts when it was at a high. And uh I was about to speak at Anarchapoco. They forbid every single uh, advisor in the company from talking about Bitcoin. And then I lost a uh, six figure residual income for giving them a big F you and saying, I'm not five years old. Yeah. What I can't talk about. So. Yeah. That's because that's, that's, that's an independent, you know, independent brokerage and shit. I remember going through their situation. I mean, their headquarters in Boston and I think they only had like one person behind the Chinese wall. They didn't have a lot of people. Um, involved because it was independent so i'm surprised they didn't give you a little, little more uh leeway well they didn't care at all when uh like so i started trying to do this like august 2017 so then all of a sudden you know by you know october everyone in their grandma starts talking about it and then they just put the kibosh on everyone talking about this so uh yeah they've i think they have about eighteen thousand reps it's a great company aside from the fact they forbid me from talking about crypto and I'm like, you know, I, I and, and mainly I was working with people that already had a bunch of crypto that bought it at like a dollar or 50 cents and then wanted to, to sell it and how to do so tax efficiently. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm like, hey, I'm not five years old. I shouldn't be, uh, you know, I was, you know, like Johnny, I was in the Ron Paul revolution from back in the day and I uh, was going all down all those rabbit rabbit holes. And uh, I also do a lot of work with Arthur Diamond Hands. And he said, wanted me to let you know that he is the biggest Johnny Woodard fan. <laughs> so. Shout out to that guy. I talk to him sometimes on Twitter. Yeah, Arthur, he's a cool dude. I'm totally against that. And uh, can we please cut that out? <laughs> can we please cut that out? Tim. Yeah, I'll get right Tim, on it. Tim, it's a perfect time for you to come in. We're discussing crypto. 
Howie thinks it might be in trouble. Johnny thinks it might be in trouble. What do you think? Is crypto done? Stick a fork in it. I mean, I think you have to differentiate between crypto and Bitcoin. And so, I mean, there's a lot of scammers in the space. There's, a, I mean, most of these projects probably don't even deserve to exist. And people just making up tokens and doing all this, you know, bullshit yield farming that's going, that was going on. Uh, and a lot of what went on with FTX and Three Arrows Capital, uh, you know, it was fraudsters and people running businesses, you know, incredibly unscrupulously. And it was the fault of centralization of individuals who weren't acting in best faith. And it was those individuals. And so what, and so that can happen whether you're in crypto or not. And so I don't think it's a damnation of the entire crypto industry as much as it's a damnation on those individuals involved. But now we're seeing obviously lots of counterparty contagion. I know now the big fear is, you know, what's going on with Genesis uh, because Genesis had, uh, I think it was like half a billion dollars worth of loans out to FTX. And they also got caught up in the three arrows capital. And then Genesis is that, which actually sort of the funny part about all this is that the story first broke on Coindesk. Coindesk is owned by Digital Currency Group. Digital Currency Group also owns Genesis. And now Genesis is, is potentially going bankrupt on as early as potentially Monday because of the story that their guys dropped about the Alameda balance sheet. Oh my God. That's crazy, dude. But Tim, this is like, you just said it, you know, it's, it's not, you can't blame everyone. A few bad apples. This isn't a few bad apples. This is a lot of fucking bad apples, like way more than I thought at the beginning. It just seems to be, it seems like a domino effect right now. Like everybody, um, has their hand in the crookedness. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, when I first came on your show, I think I was actually your first guest, uh, if you don't yes. count Chris Neff as a guest, because he ended up being a co-host. <laughs> so, no, no, he was a key, he was a co-host, but uh, on, and also you guys first guest. No, I, I love, you know, his touch, but I mean, and everything else. But anyways, <laughs> with with everything that's going on, I mean, it's, it's yeah, there are bad, but there's always people trying to chase whatever the next big thing is. There's always people trying to chase what's the next Bitcoin. And if your entire modus operandi and reason you're in something is you're in it because you want to get rich, well, it's easy come, easy go. And so, I mean, no offense to to uh, Sam and the Shibu Inu army, but a lot of people are in that to get rich. And so, if you're in it to get rich, well, then once you get rich, then everyone is going to want to dump their bags at the same time. Where there's little people in Bitcoin who are in Bitcoin and never want to sell it. And so, when I first came on, I was more of a crypto guy than I was a Bitcoin guy. Uh, and I was always sort of against a lot of the Bitcoin maximalists. But, you know, I think that they do have a point with, you know, a lot of the crap that's going on. So, you know, and this is not investment advice since I am a financial advisor. I've got to give those provisos, you know, do your own research. I mean, ev- the first thing everyone should do is their own research on anything. Uh, I don't have a compliance approved yet, so it's not out, but I did create a crypto course because the first thing you should do is get knowledge. And if you're in this space and you own crypto and you don't know how to go onto a hardware wallet, you don't know what a paper wallet is, then you know you should only have money that you're willing to lose into that because you should know what you're getting yourselves into. And the problem is it's, you know, everyone wants to see like, hey, what coin if I have a hundred dollars and I put it on Coinbase, what which coin can I get that will give me the most amount of you know, tokens. And so, you know, it's a very easy come, easy go situation. Whereas with Bitcoin, it's like, hey, I don't, if I have a hundred hours of Bitcoin, I'm buying, you know, 0.0000 whatever Bitcoin, uh, but I can buy, you know, 5,000 of this or that. And so people are drawn to the amount of units, uh, but you know, it is easy come, easy go. There's, and people are also not aware of, you know, 
uh, like how come this price is, you know, 20,000 and this price is 30 cents, like the 30 cent one must be cheaper, but they don't look at market cap and how, what the total supply of the coins are. And so there's lots of pitfalls that people find themselves in. And, you know, and anytime there's a place that's making a lot of money quickly, it's going to draw in the scammers. And so I remember going to crypto conferences in early, like in 2017, before it all took off and it was all like super legit, like 200 IQ type dudes. And then you go, uh, into one of these conferences when it's at the mania and it's, you know, all these basically used car salesman type people who are, you know, would push your grandmother <laughs> off a cliff to go. Yeah, get but let me stop you, man. Let me stop you because, uh, oh, Sammy boy, the head of FTX, he was a 200 IQ dude too. And now he's on the lamb. He's on the run. Well, he was also a fake liberal. And we, you know, we here, you know, don't really like all these fake liberals who, you know, effective altruism of how they can give away a bunch of people's money. And he was also, you know, very tied in with, uh, you know, the, obviously the DNC. Democratic Party. He was very tied in with uh, the SEC. So Alameda, the Alameda Research, their CEO, Caroline, which was his girlfriend, her dad was the one that gave Gary Gensler, the head of the SEC, his first job. Gary Gensler. Now, I have to be careful because Gary Gensler is like literally the only person that could like take away all of my income because uh, he's the head of the SEC. Uh, but he also was when he was running the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, his former boss was uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, John Corzine, who was the head of MF Global. MF Global just walked away with all their clients' money. That guy never had to do a perp walk, never got in any trouble. He was the former CEO of Goldman Sachs as well, and also the uh, senator out of New Jersey. And then he basically did what FTX did, but on like the non-crypto version of that, never faced a perp walk, never faced nothing. Uh, to my knowledge, I think the dude got off scot-free and all this. So, you know, there's bad actors everywhere and and the people that got the crypto anarchists that got into this in the beginning as sort of like an fu to the federal reserve and trying to get away from central banking you know they are completely worlds away from the sam bankman freed you know fake altruist over there uh you know and and i immediately didn't like the guy when i saw that video of him uh you know months ago where it was like oh this is the world's most generous billionaire and look at yeah. him just with oh, yeah. handing out a hundred dollars to this homeless guy and he drives a toyota corolla like, well wasn't he also it. one of the ones offering to bail out everybody at celsius remember that how he was like oh you know i'll, I'll be happy to take a loss to help the people get their money back like wh who are you whose money were you paying them with that's what i would love to know Oh, and and Voyager and uh, and a few others and so basically what they're doing is they're minting their FTT token using which they owned most of it and since they controlled most of the float they were able to effectively kind of manipulate what the uh, market cap of that was and then they were using that as collateral to then make loans against and then they flat out basically stole their client money at FTX to then make things whole over at Alameda uh, but they did have and and part of it was I think that basically without CZ being the, uh, the head of Binance, without him basically torpedoing uh, what was going on at, at FTX, I think they were setting up FTX to basically be like the oligopoly, monopoly system in America where everything gets to run through them because they're funneling money back to the Democratic Party. They've got ties with the SEC. Uh, I mean, both of their, I think Caroline and Bankman Freed, both of their parents were like compliance lawyer, tax lawyer professors. Uh, so yeah, it's just yeah. so crazy. Well, here's a question for you because you know we without we, we haven't told the readers what you do. You you're you have your CFP, correct? Yep, certified financial planner. So yep. so basically, you, you did what I did. I, I worked for a, a private client group, and we would it's simple. We gather assets, same thing you do, 
And, you know, somebody gives you five, $10 million, you want to allocate that, you know, in certain sectors, uh, fixed income, real estate, whatever. But you want that thing diversified across the field so that if, you know, one area takes an ass beating, the other one pulls you back up and nobody, you don't, you don't lose anything. So here's my question. Tom Brady and Giselle probably in my estimation had probably five, six, seven guys like yourself. Um, I'm sure they did. Most of those people have a few different advisors. So I'm Tom Brady and I come to you and I say, you know what, man, that 350 mil that you got invested for me, it's done pretty well. You know, you're doing eight, 10% every single year. I'm happy with you, but I got this deal, man. This guy, this kid, Sam Bankman, man, he's telling me if I take that 350 million and I put it into FDX, it's going to be worth 4 billion in three years. How the fuck do you talk him out of that? I mean, you know, I know it's the dumbest shit in the world. I don't care what happens. Um, but somehow he talked his advisors into doing it. I mean, how does this happen? Well, first off, I'm not entirely clear if he actually put money up to do this or if it was or if he was then given equity to be the pitch man or spokesman. So I don't really know how much of his own money he put into it as much as he was then getting paid to do these gigs in either like FTT or in crypto. Yeah, so he may not have actually put. Well, according according to everything, his wife read, left him, his wife left him right According to everything time. we read, it was northwards of four five, six hundred million that he and his wife both put in from their private wealth. So that's what we're reading. Who knows if it's true or not, but I understand what you're saying. That's like his entire CBS uh, contract, right? He's yeah. basically maybe she, maybe Giselle's like the contrarian indicator of the tops. Cause I remember like, didn't, wasn't she getting paid? Like one of the first people to demand getting paid in euros back when that was like at its like absolute peak as well. She was the, and then, you know, she so maybe was she's the like number the one uh, model on planet earth. She was worth three times as much as Tom was. But yeah. the rumors that you read about, the amount of money that both of them put into FTX was hundreds of millions. And my whole thing is for them to do that, they had to have gone to their financial advisors, their team, their private client group, whatever, and said, guys, you know, uh, you've been great. You've done a super job, but we want to take 70, 80, 90 percent of what we have and we want to put it here. Um, and that to me is mind blowing. That just blows my mind. I mean, because I, if I'm his financial advisor, I'm, I'm tackling him. I'm like, Tom, you can't do this. You just cannot Tim, me, do this. This Tim, would be the dumbest you shit you've ever done. Let me ask you a question. You're, you're my financial advisor. Okay. And I want to invest with a guy who has that haircut. Any, any kind of alarms going off with a guy with that kind of haircut. Uh, ask me to invest all my money. Yeah, I think every alarm bell in the world is going off at that <laughs> point, especially when they're talking about being these, you know, effective altruists. And I just want to, you know, drive a Toyota Corolla, but never mind the, you know, three hundred million dollars worth of real estate we own in the Bahamas. Yeah. You know, so it's just like a typical limousine liberal type thing where it's, you know, look over here at my Toyota Corolla that's ten years old, but don't look at my, you know, three hundred million dollar empire of real estate over there. So I mean, it's just. Uh, you know, par for the course, what you see, you know, all, all the time. But, you know, one thing I did want to, you know, talk about in terms of like things some readers can do, because obviously it's been a very, very tough year, uh, you know, unless maybe you're listening to Howie on the Patreon. But, you know, for everyone that does have assets that did lose money, um, 
you know, I know you guys have talked about IRAs and have talked about Roth IRAs before on the show before. So with a so with a Roth IRA, it's after tax money and any gain there can grow tax free. You get to take the money out tax free. Some other asterisks with that it has to be there for five years. Uh, and so, you know, if you got into something, so anytime you're really trying to take a flyer on something, something you think that can, you know, really be like a banger for you in a portfolio, if you put that inside of a Roth IRA and it ends up, you know, exploding in value, then that's a tax-free gain. Now, one thing that you can do that last year, the Democrats actually tried to stop this and, um, because they were all actually pissed off that Peter Thiel had like a multi-billion dollar IRA, uh, so one thing that you can do is you can do a Roth conversion. So you, so let's say you had an asset that went down, you know, quite a bit in your IRA. You could then take that specific asset, can pay taxes on it now, and then convert that to a Roth. And so, uh, you know, and another thing that I, you know, have my hands in as well is is Bitcoin IRAs, where you have actual crypto, like actual Bitcoin, Ethereum into IRAs. Obviously, goes without saying that you should know what you're getting yourself into, and you know, not you know, have, you know, the knowledge of, you know, the space and also have the time horizon and not just, you know, YOLO and put everything into this. But, uh, but for people that do have, you know, a portion of their retirement into crypto or want to get it into crypto, you can do it inside of a Roth IRA. And so if you already have, let's say crypto already have a big position that, that went down quite a bit, you can then, you know, basically make the best out of that, pay the taxes now, which obviously, you know, no one wants to pay taxes, but then when it goes up, so let's say, you know, we get the day where Bitcoin is a quarter million dollars or is a million dollars. And I'm not necessarily wishing that that day, that that day comes quickly because that day is also going to mean that there's going to be homeless in the streets, obviously, you know, already going on. There's going to be, you know, massive food shortages, food riots, energy crises, you know, literally the blood in the streets. And so when that million dollars, so it's, it's like, be careful what you wish for, because I think eventually the dollar is going to lose reserve currency status eventually after it gain, you know, after it keeps, you know, gaining, um, there's something called the dollar milkshake theory, where I actually did think the dollar would get stronger before it collapsed. It's sort of what we're seeing right now, but, uh, you know, it's come down quite can... a bit though. What's up? It's the dollars come down quite a bit over the past month. Yeah, yeah it has, but in the, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, you know, looking on like a one year time, one, two year time horizon, still up quite a bit, but you can do a Roth conversion where, and then also, Anyone that owns their own business, and I know that Howie has talked about this before, you can do SEP IRAs. You can also do individual 401ks if you own your own business, have your own LLC, where you can sock away. It's almost like it's close to $60,000 a year that they let you yeah. put in. It's like right yeah. around there. Uh, yeah. So you get to put in the employee contribution, uh, which is 20500 Next year, it's 22500 as the employee. But since you're the only employee, you're, you can also then put in an employer contribution, like a matching contribution. But since you're the only person, you're matching to yourself. And so it's basically it's a loophole to get in, like, instead of only having like $6,000 a year going into an IRA, you can have like 60,000. Uh, now there's other loopholes too, where there's, uh, you know, because a lot of people come to me and say, Hey, Tim, like I have people that make $700,000 a year that contribute to a Roth IRA, because there's a backdoor way of getting into a, it's too bad Neff isn't here for the backdoor way of how to get into. Ah. Uh, so, sorry, I, I don't know. I, I shouldn't make fun of him while he's not here. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it actually it actually is called the backdoor Roth. And so it, it basically, there's a way where you can get into a Roth IRA regardless of your income. Now, it only works really cleanly if you don't have uh, like a really big IRA to begin with. So if you don't have it, so if, if everything's in a 401k and then you start an IRA, there's ways without getting into all the minutia, there's ways where you can get into it, you know, regardless of income. So that's one of the things that the readers can do. Uh, you know, so if you're in a position that, that went down a lot, or you're looking to get crypto into an IRA, you know, or, you know, specifically like Bitcoin or Ethereum, like you, 
like now is the time you want to do that when it's at a beating. Like anyone could talk about, you know, crypto when it's, and I have not made videos really since uh, February because I am worried about what is going on in the world. And I've just started my own homestead out here and, uh, you know, just ordered 25 chickens to get in the greenhouse and getting everything oh, all ready and rainwater and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, to me, that was more important than pumping out videos. But I was pumping out video after video after video when Bitcoin was at like $3,000 after it had fallen in 2018, saying this is going to come back and be a multi-trillion dollar uh, thing. And so I was not willing to put videos out when it was at the absolute doldrums. And so it's, you know, it's easy to put out videos when, you know, it's ripping at 60,000. It's much harder to, to tell people, hey, you know, the time to get into something is when no one wants to get into it. And so there is something called the fear and greed index, where basically the more fearful it is, is usually the better time to get in. And right now we're, we're showing extreme fear in that index is a 22 on a scale of zero to 100. And so anytime it's basically below like a 10 or you're in the teens or an extreme fear, you know, we're not catching the bottom. We don't know if it's the absolute bottom or what, but you know, that is a relatively good time to get in and a relatively bad time to get in is when it's at like an 80 or a 90 or 95. And it's an yeah. extreme mania and nobody, and nobody wants to, I got a few people that did crypto IRAs to me when it was at like 3000, 4,000 bucks. No one by and large wanted to do this, but when Bitcoin's at, you know, 60,000, everybody's calling me to get in and no one, did anybody sell? Did anybody sell when it was at 50, 60? So I do have people, like I said before, who, uh, you know, we do charitable trust as well. So they were able to take, uh, you know, a low cost basis asset, put it into a charitable trust, bypass all capital gains. They pay an income stream to themselves. Uh, and so that's why like these guys in Warren Buffett and all these, all these billionaires are like, oh, we gave away all of our money. They literally... It costs them more to not give away their money yeah, than to give away their money because of how the tax code is structured. And they're giving it away by and large to themselves until they die and the remainder then goes to charity. And so that is one thing that I did help you know people uh, you know set up. I was trying to get that people to do that in like late 2017. And unfortunately, no one wanted to listen to me when Bitcoin was at 20,000 the first time. And so, you know, just zooming out, you know, this is a space I've, you know, followed since it was like a dollar. And so in the grand scheme of things, you know, it's still, I mean, if you would have told me three years ago, you'd have, uh, well, FTX, I'm not even sure if it was even around three years ago. Uh, you know, you'd, you'd have the third largest crypto exchange collapse. You'd have Celsius collapse. You'd have Voyager collapse. You'd have BlockFi collapse. You'd have a $40 billion blowout and something called Luna. Uh, and then crypto would still, Bitcoin would still be like 15,500. I, most people would have said that would be, still be a pretty good win if you zoom out like where we really are in this. And because what you have to keep in mind is that a central bank digital currency is coming. It is around the corner. You have a hundred central banks around the world are actively working on this. There's only 12 uh, countries right now that have postponed their plans on this. So you, anyone could type in uh, it's, atlanticouncil.org slash CBDC tracker. And then you can then see all the countries that are actively trying to implement this. And I did an entire presentation that float when you know Sam was there and on the CBDCs and what is coming. And so they're, I know this is maybe not the podcast for it, but they're going to use some sort of problem reaction solution to then try to basically come in as a saviors with this basically government version of, you know, you know, Bitcoin, like the, what we call like a fed coin dollar. And at that point, they're going to have everyone by the balls and you're not going to be able to really kind of escape the system. And it is going to be the mark of the beast. And, and they wasted absolutely no time in 2020 during the pandemic to immediately start coming out with bills. Like they had bills coming out in like March and April, the very first cares act for the $1,200 uh, was actually supposed to be in paid in a federal reserve coin. 
uh, the, the first version of that text with the uh, Maxine Waters version of that bill called for paying that in a uh, basically in a Fed coin. And so that was just a trial balloon since I was the only person that bitched about it. You know, it looks like they're going forward with it. Uh, and so, it, so most people have no idea this is coming. Actually, I was pitched to invest in the FTX about a month ago. I was speaking at a conference where it was myself and then one of Anthony Scaramucci's guys at Skybridge. And and uh, Skybridge was trying to uh, pitch me on their private FTX thing that they had. And uh, I asked that room. So this is at an alternative investment conference. At, I was the speaker on a crypto panel at an alternative investment conference. So first off, most financial advisors are not at an alternative investment conference. Then most of them are not going to a crypto panel. I asked that room, show of hands, how many of you know what a CBDC is? Do you guys want to take a guess what percentage of that room maybe raise their hands? I'm going to go zero. Yeah, maybe maybe 10% raise their hands. Now, this is at an alternative investment conference at a crypto panel, and only 10% knew what a CBDC is. It means that their clients aren't asking them about it. It means they don't even know about it. And the 10% that did raise their hands sort of just put their hands up to not look stupid to everybody else because they didn't want to look like they didn't know what was going on. And so I would venture to say it probably is closer to Sam's 0% because I'm not even sure if I trust those 10% that raised their hands. Um, and so this is not on anyone's radar, but you know this is coming. And so it's, it's more of like a macroeconomic zoom out to you know, a hundred thousand foot view of things going on. And the hundred thousand foot view of things going on is that they are trying to bring a totalitarian system where they're going to track, trace, surveil everything and issue a Fed coin, then issue basically every other, uh, you know, major currency around the world is going to be digitized and through the blockchain. And so the blockchain can provide, you know, a, you know, absolute freedom or it can provide, you know, slavery, just like a gun can be used to kill you or it can be used to save your life. And they're in the government and the bad guys are going to use it to basically lock everything down. And so that's why I'm still bullish on where Bitcoin is going ultimately, because ultimately, if your only choice is you can have, uh, you know, Fed coin or you can have, uh, you know, Bitcoin and they can only print 21 million Bitcoin ever, which, you know, only about another two and a half, three million ever coming out. Whereas Fed coin overnight, they can print another 10 trillion will willy nilly. Uh, you know, they're going to do it. They printed what about 80% of all the money supply, you know, over a 30 month time period after uh, 2020. So, I mean, they're going to have to do that again. Now, with the rates, they have three months treasury bills that are paying over 4.2%. Yeah. So, you could keep rolling those over, not financial advice in case the SEC wants to come after me and not actually real people like Sam Bankman Fred. But, you know, you can roll those over, and that's like what, about 16% a year just being in three month treasury bills. A lot of the U.S. funding is done in like three, four months, one year, two year. I mean, how is the government going to keep paying? Uh, you know, it's one thing to have thirty trillion dollars of debt and pay, you know, 025 percent interest. It's another to have thirty trillion and start paying four percent interest because then it just gives us. But I think the other countries are trying to give us a lot of rope to basically hang ourselves and then come in as the saviors uh, to have this CBDC, and that's when Bitcoin, in my opinion, is going to take off. But they could derail it and have other things like, uh, you know, Operation Cyber Polygon or not to get too much into tinfoil hat land. But uh, we love it. Yeah. But, you know, I understand what you're saying, you know, but but in, in nobody, especially me, nobody wants the government involved with fucking anything to do financially, because over the, in the past, what, 100 years, they tend to fuck things up pretty quickly. Uh, but my thing right now is. It seems to me like with this decentralized uh, philosophy with Bitcoin, uh, individual greed is fucking killing it. It's I mean, it, it really is. It's like, you, you know, forget about the government coming in and screwing things up. These individual companies, uh, different coins, 
um, different holding, uh, you know, like Celsius and things like that. Jesus, they're, they're sticking it. To, it seems like they're sticking it to their own people. And I think you you talked about, you know, decentralized. Well, the thing that you, uh, I guess, failed to mention is that these are all centralized things. So Celsius was a centralized uh, you know, entity. Voyager was a centralized entity. FTX was a centralized entity. And so the real way to get into Bitcoin is to, you know, buy yourself a hardware wallet or do a paper wallet type deal. And then, you know, you buy the crypto and then you move it off the exchange immediately and doing things the right way. And so I don't know if I have, you know, somewhere and like, and there's like really clever ways that you can, you know, store your private keys and do all sorts of crazy stuff. And so that is not necessarily a failure of Bitcoin. It's a failure of centralized exchanges. And Bitcoin was created to remove the middleman. And really, you know, and people are worried that like are upset that middleman effed up when Bitcoin was created to really get rid of that middleman. Um, and so I don't and, and just like I mean the internet early early days, you know, tons of scammers, you know, on the internet, tons of you know, pet.com type things. And so if I'm buying Bitcoin, you're saying I should buy it, move it to my own specific private wallet versus say buy it on coinbase and just leave it on coinbase yeah i mean i mean it's unless you know you uh don't trust yourself or you know uh and you know are you you know think you're going to get drunk one day and this flash around your private key or or you know text it to everybody unless you unless if you trust yourself then yes i would do it that way uh because ultimately then if something messes up only you are to blame uh but yeah, I mean, it, having it where you hold on to the private keys is the ideal way to do that. Now, in retirement accounts, it might not necessarily be, you know, that feasible to be able to do it that way. But, you know, and so then you have to do a lot more due diligence, you know, what's, you know, what's going on and who, you know, your counter counterparty risk is. But, you know, a lot of people wanted to make, like, I have a client that, I mean, I don't even want to, I mean, lost probably eight figures in Celsius. And, uh, you know, and I had told the person that, you know, hey, if you're one of the sayings that I don't know, I'm not sure who is credited saying this, maybe, maybe how he knows, but you know, the, the old saying, you know, picking up pennies in front of a steamroller. And so if you're picking up, you know, four or 5% yield on Bitcoin, but you think it's an asset that over a long period of time can go up hundreds of thousands, uh, hundreds of percent, uh, you know, what, what is that four or 5% going to do for you when, you know, you think that this could go to infinity when the dollar collapses. And so you want to hold on to those private keys. And if anything, I think this is just going to make the space even stronger. And probably the bigger collapse of everything was when Mount Gox went down. Uh, you know, I think it was like 2013, 14 ish. Uh, you know, that is, was, I think a much bigger thing, but you know, every time, you know, the space does learn, but you know, people, it's always easy, come easy, go. And they want to get into, you know, whatever the next new big, hot yeah. new thing is, yep. what's going to be the next new Bitcoin. And if, and if your reason, and I'll ask people like, Hey, why are you in XYZ token? Well, I want to make a bunch of money. And if everyone's in it to make a bunch of money, well, okay. Well, once it goes up, then they all sell. Um, and I mean, I remember at one point, I mean, come rocket was worth almost a quarter of a billion dollars was worth over a quarter of a billion dollars. My come rockets worth over Man, a what quarter a billion great dollars. Time that was, huh? We were young, yeah. full of hope. Everybody had some come rocket and we were just enjoying life. But you bring up something very interesting, Tim. Yeah. And that is that if they do go with this digital currency of the Fed, it might be a really good idea to also have Bitcoin there because most likely they'll have to exist together, right? In some weird kind of way. Like if they're going to push the Fed coin and you have Bitcoin, there's going to be room for Bitcoin as well. I mean, am I wrong on that? Yeah. So they're probably going to then, I mean, I think no one said, you know, getting through the great reset is going to be easier, going to be fun. And so there's going to be a lot of attacks on this space. And so, 
what I you know expect to happen is that you know when they launch Fedcoin, that maybe there's some other attack that they launch on Bitcoin, or Bitcoin then plummets, and then everyone's in the regulators in Elizabeth Warren says, see, this is why you know you guys should be in the U.S. dollar Fedcoin version of this or the Treasury backed version of this, and then try to place a lot of fear, uncertainty, and doubt because people are gonna say, oh, if you want one that can lose eighty percent, and yeah, anyone listening, Bitcoin at any given time can lose that much money. And so this is not my first, you know, rodeo in the crypto sphere, whereas people that just came in, uh, you know, in 2020, 2021, you know, they're getting that lesson now of, you know, what, what can happen. Now, I thought it was probably gonna go up a little bit more before it ended up collapsing. But you know, trying to time this stuff is impossible. But I think to Stan's point, they are going to use the having the Fed coin as some sort of excuse to, you know, basically then have an all out regulatory attack on Bitcoin. Or they use Bitcoin as sort of like the globalist. Now, this is also getting more into tinfoil hat land of how, you know, when you start looking at these second and third layer, uh, you know, solutions, I'll use an air quote, and when you have things like Lightning Network, and then you start looking into who funded Lightning Network and their ties to the Bilderberg Group. Uh, and we're not even talking like very far hops away, uh, but that's probably more for like another type of sh show. Uh, but ultimately, they are going to, you know, try to use this problem reaction solution to get themselves in, you know, complete control over everything, but you know, they're not gonna be able to stop it. Just like they tried to stop people from breathing. They didn't stop me from breathing in 2020. Like, Oh, you got to wear a mask. I didn't, I didn't wear any mask. And didn't, Interesting. didn't, uh, and so people are not going to listen. And just like remember being in college and they banned, uh, like the, that one drink for loco. Well, guess what? Everyone went out and just bought a shitload of that for loco, which was, you know, terrible. And I remember going to a Syracuse game, uh, definitely having way too many of those and almost getting kicked out of there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm sure Howie's looking at me like, yeah, we've all been there. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've been asked to leave a few establishments. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but yeah, you try banning something, it makes it sexier, gives it more of an appeal, makes people want to get more into that. And so effectively the government can't ban Bitcoin, you know, they can try all they want. Uh, they can try to overtake it. They can try to attack it. You know, I could get into why they wouldn't be successful, but, uh, yeah, ultimately they are they're going to launch this, and ultimately, I mean, right now, I mean, if you read uh, Klaus Schwab's COVID nineteen: The Great Reset, page seventy two to seventy five, is called the fate of the U.S. dollar, and they talk about how they're going to actually, um, you know, basically because of the weaponization of the U.S. dollar and the fact that we get to print the world reserve currency, it's not fair to everybody else, and how the they're basically trying to get away from the dollar as a standard. I mean, Klaus Schwab dedicated an entire subsection of the book telling you about this, like what they're trying to do. Uh, and now th he didn't necessarily, and they also, you know, were, and then, you know, Yuval Harari is out there, you know, constantly talking about CBDCs and what they're going to be doing with this. And now I, to full disclosure, I only came, I had a meeting right before this and Sam asked me right before that to come on. So I didn't like fully prepare for all this, it but they great, are, bro. you crushed it. But yeah. they are trying to so. launch the CBDC come hell or high water. And like, you even have like, the world government summit uh that was going on you know i think back in like april at worldgovernmentsummit.com one of the opening speakers was klaus schwab the very next address was called are we ready for the new world order and the people involved in that were uh i've got actually they got this right in front of me it's the it's the president of the atlantic council the atlantic council are the ones who have that um who have that um uh, uh, CBC tracker. It was also Pippa Melgram. She's also she, like her dad was involved in Nixon administration when they got us off gold and just all sorts of other you know 
you know, bad characters that are in there. So they're trying to get this. And then there's, there's another guy named Augustus Karstens, who is this like 500 pound central banker in the out of the Bank of International Settlements. So the Bank of International Settlements is the central bank of central banks. It's its own country in Zurich, uh, Switzerland, sort of like the Vatican. No one ever talks about it. So that way they can't be audited. They can't be. Now that's a tinfoil hat show right there is Bank of International Settlements. Let's do so it. The, Let's do so it. the dude that runs it is literally 500 fucking pounds. And at one point he was running a thing on inflation and food scarcity. I'm like, you ate all the food. Like you're 500, like you got a guy that's 500 pounds talking about food scarcity. And <laughs> one of his quotes is, we don't know who's using a $100 bill today, and we don't know who's using a 1,000 peso bill today. The key difference is with CBDC is the central bank will have the absolute control on the rules and regulations that will determine the use of that expression of central bank liability and will also have the technology to enforce that. So they want to know exactly what you're doing. They want to be able to shut you down. They want to be able to tie it into like a Bill Gates, like 666 patent he has where you're walking around and they pay you some sort of cryptocurrencies. And they're trying to basically set up a digital dictatorship and... Uh, and, and every day they're progressing more and more and more towards this. But, you know, but to give you guys, you know, some actual items, you know, there is that Roth conversion where you can make, you know, the best out of the situation. So if you have equities that are way down, you know, you can go and get into that. Another thing I'd like to talk about quickly is something that's more like vanilla plain would be, uh, you know, the bond market. So there's something called interest rate risk. And so, you know, let's pretend this is a teeter totter. So if you have interest rates going up 1%, uh, so when interest rates go up, the underlying prices of bonds go down. So if you have a 20 year duration bond and rates go up 1%, your underlying value, the bond goes down by 20. So your million bucks is now 800,000. Rates go up 2%. Now you're down a little over 40%. And so there are people that were in what they thought were safe things that have gotten absolutely annihilated because this has been like the worst period ever for like a 60, 40 portfolio, 60% stocks, 40% yeah. bonds. It's Terrible. never been worse because the safe things, the places where people go to hide, they all got decimated. And I've been talking about this for over a decade. And, and yeah, I was early to the party, but you know, hey, you're making 1% a year for 10 years. Okay, maybe you made 13, 14%. Well, boom, all that was wiped out in the span of like a few months this year. And I actually had a question in 2016 that made it to Janet Yellen. So I had a congressman who had said... Um, Congressman David Schweikert's like, hey, I'm about to go interview Janet Yellen. Anyone, anyone have a question? And so he picked my question. And I was like, well, Janet, if you say that rates are going up to 4%, then and most of your bond portfolio is only collecting one. So you're collecting one, you're paying out four, you're losing three. So instead of making money, you're actually gonna be losing money. Are you gonna send the treasury a bill? And she laughed at my question and said that it was an impossibility. Well, guess what, bitch? Now you're actually losing money. At the, now she's at the treasury saying, oh, I can't believe we're losing money and the Fed's doing this. Well, I told you that that was gonna happen as a 30-year-old six years ago, knowing that that was gonna happen because you said it was a, and said it was gonna happen, but eventually that was gonna happen. So the last point I wanna bring up is there's something else known as sequence of return risk. And that is the notion that it is, when it comes to retirement specifically, so this doesn't matter for like a 30 year old, a 40 year old, this is like people that are like 65 years old. It doesn't so really matter in retirement what your average return is as much as it matters what the order of those returns are. So, you know, I, and I do have like a little graph up here. So I'm, I don't have, I'm not like Rain Man with this memorized. So, you know, if you're pulling 4% a year and your portfolio goes down 30%, you've got to go up 63% uh, basically to get back to even over the next three years. And so, I mean, and so most people just don't like ever factor this in. Now, I also have another scenario where it shows investor A and investor B Investor A starts off with three bad years, then seven good years. Investor B, it's just the inverse of that. So like the mirrored, exact mirror of that. 
So they both start off um, with the same amount of money. And so I haven't looked at this one in a while. And like I said, I just came on right before this. So uh, basically what it's doing, they both start off with, uh, you know, they both start off with a million bucks. They both average 5.1%. They're both taking out 50 grand a year. And investor A, since he started off with three bad years, after 10 years, he has $630,000. Investor B has $1,074,000. They both average the exact same, but it all has to do with that order of return. The first seven dollars. years, are, the first few years are so important with the compound interest. Um, to, to stop you real quick, uh, I mean, you're talking about interest rates. You're talking about, I mean, it's the first time, you know, we see the crossover, the two years ahead of the 10 year, which is a little bit insane. Uh, but I mean, to me right now, I think this is the best time since 2009 to invest in um, high yield bonds. I mean, high yield right now to me is like mouthwatering. You, uh, you know, you, you, you can buy high yield bonds right now. Um, solid companies yielding five, six, seven, eight percent and get the appreciation. I mean, I just I've been looking at those for the past three, four months. I just think uh I think it's a pretty good value right now, high yield corporate bonds. So I have always been against bonds, and I actually had to call up the uh, TD Ameritrade like trading desk to figure out how to place like an individual bond order because I yeah. just like never done it. Because basically my entire career, the bond market was shit and there was nowhere to go. And so just recently for full disclosure. Uh, and again, you know, you know, I guess, uh, you know, everyone do their own due diligence on this, but you, if you can get a three month treasury, I'm on uh, trading economics right now, three month treasury, 4.31%. So you can just keep rolling that over. You're in a U.S. treasury that's fully liquid. And then you're getting over 16% a year for just being in a treasury. Now there is some risk to that. And obviously I'm not a big fan of the government. And on the one hand, I'm talking crypto and the other hand, I'm talking treasuries, which are like, about the complete opposite of each other. Um, but you know, it is important to have dry powder. And I did start this year with, you know, quite a bit of dry powder. Dry so powder, baby. Oh, look have... at that. Look at that. Dry powder. That's all we talk about on here. Kids are talking about the dry powder. The dry powder. Yeah. The kids are talking about the dry powder. So I, so my problem with the high yield bonds is, I mean, I, I haven't done really the due diligence on that, but you know, if you're looking at getting you know, 4% in a three months treasury bill versus 5% in a, you know, basically a junk bond fund. So, I mean, that's what high yield, you know, are the junk bonds. Uh, you just, I, now there were so many companies that were zombie corporations that were just floating by being able to make their interest payment. Um, but now that you're in a situation where interest rates are much higher, you know, the, the risk of that is that there could be a default risk of some of these companies uh, not being able to make their nut. It, but, and so I just thought for me, I'm not really in, these as like a way to really to make money as much as I'm in a way to like save, protect money that's going down. So that's my, you know, safer route, but you know, for anyone that's close to, and, and the advice for someone that's, you know, going to be, you know, 35 versus 65 is going to be, you know, completely different advice and what they should do. And, you know, and, and, but all that starts with knowledge and, you know, knowing what they're getting themselves into. And, uh, and really the last point about that sequence of return risk, because I do have a real world example of this. So for someone that retired uh, January of 1969, and this was they had they started off sorry they started off with half a million dollars were withdrawing 4.05 60 40 portfolio they retired in January 1969 by at the age of 31 years later ran out of money now someone that retired in April of 1970 so we're talking well, I don't know what that is like 15 16 months later uh, after 31 years had about 2.6 million dollars now they averaged the exact same. It just all had to do with that initial beginning getting walloped. Yeah. So it's, it's just yeah, super, yeah. super important to either have that dry powder or have income coming in from various sources uh, to be able to cover your nuts. So my my thing was, 
to people that were retiring is that you should have your income covered, but your absolute needs covered, whether it's through, you know, social security or a pension or some other, are other annuities I like versus some, but that's a whole nother conversation. Uh, you know, rental income, something, have some sort of means of, of generating income, then have your other stash. That's more of like the Mad Max scenario where you get, you know, the crossbows and dirt bikes and no, and then the, you know, the silver and yes, the gold. Yes, you're hitting that. them all. And, uh, you know, and so it's, ha but you, but you need to have that volatility though. So, but you need to be able to ride out that volatility. So if you have the income coming in, it doesn't matter if Bitcoin is down 80% because then you could take some of that income or some of that dry, to either ride it out or take the dry powder and then buy more of it. And always the best time to buy more of it is, is when people are most fearful and when you're most hesitant about doing so, you know, it's easy to YOLO in at 60. It's hard to be out there pumping this and talking about it when it's way down, because ultimately I do believe in the space but you should be getting into it the right way, holding on to your private keys. Uh, you know, if you do leave some money on an exchange, you know, don't leave more than you can afford to lose. I think I had like a hundred bucks on FTX. Actually, got really lucky because I took some off of FTX. Uh, I only put it, I only had it on there for like two or three days, but it was in September. So I mean, pretty close to all this, but I put an offer in a house like two days after putting money into FTX and I just took out like almost all of it. Um and left like a hundred bucks in there. So, uh, but yeah, I would have taken that money off anyways, but you know, just the timing of all this stuff. And it was more to do due diligence on, you know, other people that were going to invest in this and seeing, Hey, you know, what's the experience like, how easy is it? Uh, but you know, the only person you can really trust is yourself and holding on the private keys Jesus. is the best way to be able to do it. Jesus. Tim, you crushed it. Where can they yeah, find man. you? The Liberty Advisor Show.com uh, is where you guys can find all my media. Then you can find links to potentially work with me there as well. I do a lot of videos with Josh Segerson of Rural Alternative Media. So, you know, we're on band. Yeah, video, you guys are Rock great. Fan, all, the, all the usual places. So I'll be doing some videos with Josh here again real soon and some of my own videos. Now that I bought the homestead and I've gotten, you know, a few, some gardens and stuff underway and ordered the chickens and stuff, I feel good enough to start making some videos and pumping up my own content. But the Liberty Advisor oh, Show.com is the best place to find me. And, uh, you know, it's been real. And thanks for having me on, guys. All, all right, up. buddy. Tim, you crush it. Thanks for coming on. Guys, thanks for listening to Cash Daddies. All right. Great episode, a little different, but we say in the moment, we get weird here today on Cash Daddies. Follow us over to the dry powder mecca that is the patreon.com slash cash daddies and come get weird. Come see me live. Go to savedably.com. Where are you going to be, Howie? I'll be here in New York City uh, all week. Um. I mind just went blank, man, because you got me thinking about the dry powder. I think that was kind of weird. Love that dry powder. Well, no, it was a coincidence. We were talking about dry powder, and then he just we, you know, that was some weird shit. Tim knows what he's talking about. He's yeah. a young, he does. He does. All right, guys, great show. We'll see you at the Patreon. Come get weird.